Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. (laughs) There is a watchman on the wall. Bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the wall. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. to be with you today. It is Tuesday. It is December 7th, 2021. And you all remember that in 1941, there was a Pearl Harbor attack in the islands of Hawaii. And there was a great big uh, war that was going on. You're talking about World War II. We're talking about a Pearl Harbor attack. We're talking about Torah, Torah, Torah. And obviously, that is being commemorated and remembered all over the world today. It was a very real, sobering moment um, where the Japanese attacked um, the American forces, and it was the the retaliation against that, obviously, is what justified the the big boy uh, nuclear bombs that were dropped over in uh, the island of Japan as well. So uh, there is a tremendous amount of conversation. Most people have already understood this, but... You know, we're not playing when we say that you could feel in the atmosphere today that World War III, the stage is set, basically. I think it's been being set for a very long time. Biblically, I believe that we're going to see this World War III uh, spark here very soon. 
right now the talks about China and Taiwan and how Japan said they would go along with their allies and the United States would also support Taiwan. So Japan, America, Taiwan, and China uh, with its massive army wants, you know, is talking about invading Taiwan. So uh, you can hear the talks, the rumors of wars. There are wars and rumors of wars. You'll remember Jesus's words when he talked about the last days. There were certain things to be looking for. And he said there would be great deception all over the earth. We see, certainly see that happening all over the world. He said nation would rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Now, the nation against nation is the ethnos against the ethnos, which is race against race. And within the context of this broadcast this morning, I'm going to be sharing with you some very difficult things. And I want us to view them from a biblical perspective, a Christian perspective. Thank God Jesus Christ is at the core of our hearts, okay? So we're going to get into some very difficult conversation, very honest conversation, uh, a little bit as we go. But I cannot begin today's broadcast without first referring to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. And I've got to get there today, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. And I want to begin in verse 1. I love this. I'm going to preach this so loud one day. And uh, maybe even today we'll start it off. So Mark chapter 2, verse 1. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. You know, I'm going to preach that message in our fellowship one day. He was in the house. And I love that Jesus is in the house. And how this chapter begins in Mark chapter 2. Uh, that it was noised abroad. I mean, the day is coming where the presence of Yeshua is going to surely manifest in the, amidst the ecclesia, and there's going to be the shining outrays and the glorious manifestation, and his presence will be in the house. And it, it's going to be noised about that he was in the house. And straightway, verse 2, many were gathered together, hallelujah, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. So Jesus is in the house. And I'm saying today, is he in your house, this house right here? Is he in your collective home? Maybe your spouse, your marriage, is he there, right? Is he in the ecclesia? Is he in the body? Absolutely he is. And you got to love it. What does he do? When Jesus is in the house, he preached the word unto them. This is a key that, you know, you could preach your ideas, you could preach your opinions, anybody could preach about anything on, a, on an earthly level of things. But what I love what Jesus did is he preached the word. Whose word? The Father's word. For Jesus is what? He is the word of God made flesh. The word of God. He is literally known as the word but it wasn't his own word. He said, I don't say anything unless my father tells me to say it. I don't do anything unless my father tells me to do it. And so it was the father's word that was in him. And he was the word. He contained the word. He brought it down to earth. He goes into the house and he releases that word. Hallelujah, man. Wouldn't you like to have been at that sermon? Me too. So it says in verse three, and they come unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, 
they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, hallelujah, he said unto the sick of the palsy, son, your sins be forgiven thee. Oh, whoa, who is this guy that's going to be start forgiving sins? And of course, there were the scribes in verse 6 uh, that were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. I love this. Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Now, where were they reasoning? In their hearts. They weren't saying anything. They were just watching and they're thinking, man, what is this guy doing committing blasphemy? And, and you know, only God can forgive sins. And verse 8 says, and immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit, folks, this is where the church has got to go. We have to be able to perceive in our spirit what's going on around us. Talk about critical awareness, right? So immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether as it is, or whether is it easier to say to the palsy, the sick of the palsy, your sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up your bed and walk. So in other words, here you have Jesus is in the house. It's noise abroad. The people gather together. He preaches the word. In the midst of his preaching, there are people that have great faith, and they got to get their brother down into that house. So they tear up the roof. They let it down. Jesus said, son, when he saw their faith, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. Scribes were sitting around going in their hearts, this guy's committing blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus picks it up in his spirit. He speaks to it, okay? And then he's asking them, because he perceived it, you tell me what's easier, to say your sins are forgiven or take up your bed and walk. Now, what's critical here is that sometimes our sicknesses are related to sin. And so this man's sin had not been forgiven, and Jesus knew that. See, Jesus had a deeper perception to know that guy was in that condition because of sin. And he's telling him, your sins are forgiven. Now, whether, you know, the, you know how long he'd been in that case, he was born of four, we know that. And uh, we don't have much more information. And let's go back just a little bit. I want to see something. Uh, there was a certain, okay, so uh, let's go to verse four. Okay, they came unto him bringing one sick. So uh, in straightway, many were gathered together. They preached the word, verse 3, and they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. So he's one of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was and was broken up. They let him down, the sick of the palsy, the sick of the palsy. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto him, your sins are forgiven. So we don't have much more information except this man had, was born of four brothers. And or four, it says, and he's they're they're wanting him healed because they believe the Messiah can do it. So Jesus picks this up and he's he's again he's relating the man's condition because of his sin. So the first thing Jesus says to him, knowing all things, is, "Son, your sins are forgiven you." Well, you know that is such a divine release when when god himself the only one that really matters by the way it doesn't matter if people forgive you or not ultimately in reality if you have a repentant heart and you're forgiven if, if people don't forgive you that's their issue okay period and it's not that we have a smug attitude about that it's just 
it doesn't matter nearly as much as God forgiving you. So when Jesus spoke as God's representative in the earth, as God himself in body, when he said, son, your sins are forgiven you, I mean, that right there broke 10,000 yokes and chains and bars in the spiritual realm, right? Because this guy was guilty about something that Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. Now, and he says the same thing to you and I today. There's no doubt about that. So now we have, in verse 9, what's easier to say? Now, verse 10, but that you may know, he's still talking to the scribes, that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man sick of the palsy, I say unto you, arise, take up your bed, go your way into your house. And this is what I love about the Gospel of Mark. You'll see this word everywhere. Verse 11, or excuse me, verse 12. And immediately, get that word immediately down in your spirit today, because there are some people that have been in critical condition for a long time, and the world and everything around you suggests it's going to take a long time. But I'm telling you, a divine encounter with the master physician is going to bring you into the immediate. And it says, when he spoke that word, immediately he arose, he took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. Earlier, the people were saying, man, this guy teaches so differently. He's not like the scribes and Pharisees. He teaches with authority, and even the demons obey him. So here is the word of God, God himself speaking, teaching in the house. Man with a palsy sees their faith, heals him, deals with his sin issue. He reproves the scribes and, and, and the Pharisees that were present that moment, and he's doing the miraculous. And the word of the Lord to you, according to your faith, is it's time to step into the immediate release from the bondage that you have been in, whatever it is. And maybe you don't know how to approach it, but maybe there's some friends interceding for you. And those of you that have faith for somebody else that's in a situation, maybe you need to take your faith to the Messiah and let him see your faith and begin to do a work in their lives. Jesus is in the house. Hallelujah. I love it. So they're saying, I never saw it this way before. Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Let's go a little bit further. It says, and he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And I told Patricia, maybe it's time for a seaside resort. Woo! Come on, Jesus. Just give me a reason to go. By the ocean and resort. I mean, come on, Jesus is on assignment. He's doing the work of the Lord. Maybe a little time, but what happens when he gets there? I love this. So he goes by the seaside. And all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. Hey, guys, what do you think? Should we have a big conference on a nice, warm, sunny beach somewhere? I don't know, anywhere in the world. You want to do it? Let's have a conference, and we'll all resort unto Jesus. We'll all go to meet the Lord. Maybe he'll tell us, here, I want you to go over here. I'm going to meet you guys by the Sea of Galilee. I don't know. But anyways, wouldn't that be cool? Anyway, so he gets into this, verse 14. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom and said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. Now, we all know this to be Matthew, right? Levi, the son of Matthew, uh, the son of Alphaeus, is Matthew, the tax collector. So Jesus, watch this. 
He's walking by. He says, hey, I want you to come with me. Follow me. And he arose and followed him immediately. No delay. He got up and he went. When God calls you, go. Now, verse 15. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house. Now, I love this about Jesus because Jesus calls a very wealthy, rich tax collector to follow him. Next thing you know, he's sitting in his house having food. Uh, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus was a mobile tabernacle. He would move throughout the nation of Israel, and he would call a tax collector. Next thing you know, he's eating at his house. He had many homes that he stayed at. you got to love it. What a great way to live for Jesus. And it was for three and a half years, but praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. Now, it says in verse 16, and when the scribes, no, no, verse 15, and it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in Matthew's house, the tax collector that he just called, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. So he's at this meal at Matthew's house, and there's a large gathering of sinners and publicans, tax collectors, and the disciples, like the movie The Chosen kind of depicted it, the disciples may have been wrestling with those tax collectors and had a little bit of animosity in their heart toward them, right? You don't know. But there's this big gathering together here, and we see that there, there were many, and they followed him. So th that meal, Jesus was talking to the sinners. He was talking to the tax collectors. He had his disciples with him. They were having a meeting. Would you like to have been there to hear that message, right? So there he is. And then it says in verse 16, and when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners— they said unto his disciples, they don't say to him, they say to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with publicans and sinners? And you can see the disciples sitting around going, I don't know. I don't, you know, he's, he, he does things we're not used to all the time. So there it is. And, and he's at, they're asking the question. It says in 17, again, this is Jesus in his ability, right? When Jesus heard, he said unto them, they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And we all have to rejoice when we hear that word. You know, the self-righteous Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the religious people of the day, those that walked on the other side of the street when one was beaten, uh, you know, remember the story of the Good Samaritan, the religious crowd that really doesn't want to deal with, listen, the message from the king of heaven, the message from the throne of heaven that came into this earth was to the whole world, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. And it was a message of mercy. It was a message of forgiveness. It was a message of restoration and healing. There's no doubt about this. We get that. Thank God. We were all sin sick people. And so we thank God for the message. Well, that, that you, you and I now are carrying that message. And the message we carry has to be to the people that are broken, that are unwanted, that are, you know, people don't like them because of what they do. Whatever it is, the message is not a sloppy, agape message. I don't think Jesus was sitting there saying, okay, guys, you're a bunch of sinners and publicans. I love you, and I give you my grace, but go ahead and keep doing what you're doing. Heck no. 
He was saying, your prophet, what you're doing right now is, is a temporary thing, but your eternal soul is on the line here, and I'm here to save you from your life, the way you're living it right now, and I want to redirect you, and I want to bring you into a new way of life. And if you'll follow me, I'll bring you out of the darkness that you're in, and I'll bring you into the marvelous light of my Father. And I really believe Jesus spoke to them and said, you got to stop what you're doing with your sin. you got to repent. you got to confess. you got to stop it. But he didn't make it this religious thing. He was able to communicate. And I have to believe that while Yeshua was speaking, the Spirit was convicting consciences. He was with them, showing them by this gracious message in his heart, the Word of God. And the Spirit of the Lord was able to take what he was saying, convict their conscience, and then one like Matthew turns away from what he was doing, follows the Lamb of God whithersoever he went. So we praise the Lord for that also in this message. Now, he says to them that, they, that the, the righteous don't need any physician, but only the sick and the sinners, and God's called them to repentance. All right, so the message he carries, the word he carries, is again in verse 17, but I've come to call sinners to repentance. Verse 18, and the disciples of John and of the Pharisees, so you had John the Baptist, then you had the Pharisees, and they all had disciples under them. And the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast. And they come and say unto him, why do your disciples, or why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast but your disciples fast not. Jesus, you have your disciples. John has his disciples. The Pharisees have their disciples. And John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples, they fast all the time. Why aren't your disciples fasting? What are you doing at this dinner? Why aren't you guys fasting? Jesus' answer was revolutionary, in my opinion. He said unto them in verse 19, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? Jesus is the bridegroom, right? Can they fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. What an answer. When the bridegroom is with you, you cannot fast. Why? Why? Well, it appears that when the bridegroom is with you, you have everything you need. He is the feast. He is the joy. He is the praise. He is the happiness. He is the peace. He is the one that we love, the bride and the bridegroom. What an amazing answer. And then Jesus does say in verse 20, but the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, the disciples, and then shall they fast in those days. Is the bridegroom with us today? I can't feel him. I can't touch him. But didn't the bridegroom come into our hearts? Did the bridegroom come? Now, he, there's, a, there's a manifestation coming that obviously is off the charts. Um, but is he not in your life? Is the bridegroom there? Is the spirit of God there? Is the kingdom of God within you? Just a question. Now, let's move on. Now, in verse 21, this is the revolution in my thinking. I love this. I've read this. I've been reading my Bible 39 years, right? And I just saw this today, and I was having a blast with it. So here it is. In verse 21, Jesus continues that conversation about fasting, and he says, No man also, no man, sews a piece of new cloth 
on an old garment. Else the new piece that filled it up takes away from the old and the rent is made worse. What is he talking about? I believe Jesus was coming with new cloth and the new cloth were the robes of righteousness. I believe it was the DNA of the new creation where he says, put off the old man and put on the new man. I believe Jesus was saying, I'm bringing new cloth to the society of man upon the earth. And they are the robes of righteousness, the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I believe the new cloth that Yeshua was bringing was the righteousness of the saints, the fine linen righteousness of the saints, according to Revelation. And I believe that he's saying, I can't take this new cloth and put it on your old garments, your old mosaic ways, your old outdated ways, the ways that you've been wearing for 1,500 years, Israel. So I'm going to give you some new cloth. And then he gives that new cloth to all who believe. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. The new cloth is the garment of praise, the robes of righteousness, the new creation species. And he says, put it on, right? So he's preserving that. Then he goes a little bit further. And he says in verse 22, and no man puts new wine into old bottles. Else the new wine does burst the bottles and the wine is spilled and the bottles will be marred. But new wine must be put into new bottles. Now, what is a bottle? A bottle is a vessel. And Jesus is saying like he did with the new wine on the third day. When he turned the water into wine, he needed those six water pots, six being the number of man as he was created on the sixth day. And Jesus took those six water pots that were filled with water, soul, knowledge, and he turned it into wine, spirit, experience. All right, so what he's saying is that the people were the vessels, the nation of Israel, they were the vessels. But he wasn't, and he had new wine, he had a revelation, he had spirit, he had word that was brand new, higher than what they had. Even though they had the law of God, it was only temporary until Christ would come. And he said, I've got a word from the throne of heaven, and I'm going to put it into your jar. But you have to become a new jar. You have to become a new container. Because if I put this new wine in your old thinking, it's going to burst everything. It's going to get all discombobulated and confused. You've got to empty yourself out of everything you think you know. You've got to empty everything out of you. All of your knowledge, your perception, your wisdom, your ideas, your whatever whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, you've got to get rid of everything you think you know, and you've got to allow me to fill you. You've got to be a new wineskin. Woo! You have to be a new wineskin for the new wine to go in. Because if you put that new wine in the new wineskin, that new wine will burst and it will be wasted. And i got news for you. Jesus doesn't waste anything. That's why he spoke in parables. The reason why he spoke in so many parables was he was not going to allow the new wine of the revelation of the new covenant and the spirit and grace and mercy and truth to get into vessels that could have done something with it. It would have been like giving, uh, you don't cast your pearls before swine, lest they turn and rend you and rip you to pieces. So he spoke in many, many parables, guarding and protecting the new wine. But those vessels that were willing to empty themselves out of everything they've ever known were ones that could be filled up with the new and become transformed, hallelujah, and then as a vessel, meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work, take that all over the world, wherever we go, and to share the new wine, the revelation, the spirit, the grace of God, the truth of God, which is more powerful than anything Mosaic law could have ever done. That was God's law. It was good. It was perfect. It was right. 
but it could not do anything in a fallen humanity. The new wine is a transformative wine. When you drink the new wine, there's a transformation, being conformed, undergoing a metamorphosis. Uh, It's a change. It changes everything. And this is what God is really after. So I thought that was really cool. The chapter closes out with this. In verse 23, it came to pass that he went through the fourth Sabbath day, and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. Now, they weren't eating it in this passage. They were plucking it. And plucking the ears of corn was to take away all that skin from around it. That was considered work. And they weren't supposed to do that. So in verse 24, the Pharisees say to him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? Jesus is dealing with the Old Testament law and all those additions that were added to it. And they don't know why they're doing what's unlawful. So Jesus said in verse 25, He said unto them, Have you never read what David did when he had need and was hungered? And he and they that were with him, how, they, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, and he did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priest and gave also to them, which were something that wasn't lawful. He went into the, into the house of God with the showbread that wasn't for anybody. Got a problem with that? Well, and then he goes on and he says this in 27. He said unto them, the Sabbath was made for man and not for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also of the Sabbath. Now, there's some groups out there affiliated that their whole concept is the Sabbath, the Sabbath, the Sabbath, the Sabbath is holy, the Sabbath is the Sabbath. If you don't keep the Sabbath, the seventh-day Sabbath, Saturday Sabbath, whatever it is, they battle down about the reason for the great calling that you won't keep the Sabbath. Man, that is so misguided. Jesus did not create man for the Sabbath. He created the Sabbath for man. And it is a blessing to be enjoyed. But there is an eternal Sabbath. He's dealing with these legalistic things. So that's how we're beginning our Tuesday morning. I love that chapter. Jesus was in the house. <laughs> Jesus was in the house. So that's the word of the Lord today. And I hate to shift. I hate to shift. I'd rather say that and preach that word and just keep on preaching that word. Um, but I, I've, got some, I've got a confession to make by, and I, and I need to share it publicly. I'm on the air. I speak to people all the time, and I've always said, you got to know people, and I'm going to share with you something that's been going on in my life. And I'm very, very tempted, very tempted, and uh, I've not taken the bait, and I don't plan on taking the bait, but I'm really tempted to take it. Uh, there are thoughts that are going through my mind in this issue, and um, I'm struggling with it. And I'm going to confess it because I know it's the right thing to do. So I woke up this morning, and I did my Bible study, and I prayed, and we did what we do in the morning. And it's a glorious thing. And uh, one of the last things I do before coming down here and getting on the air is I turn on the news stations. I want to know if there's anything going on. And probably would be better off not, but we are to observe the times and then God is to interpret what we see. Interpret what we see. And so I was watching and I saw you know, it was December 7th, I knew that. And 
is going to the memorial for December 7th. But they, let's uh, background over here. So, they have It's kind of distracting me. It's a very sober moment. So, I was watching this, and then it shifted to another news media. And what I saw is the Irish, the blacks, the blacks stayed downtown. We stayed up in the Heights. The Puerto Ricans were kind of a little bit south of where we were. And, but you had this melting pot of a bunch of different people in Jersey City when I grew up. And then it became predominantly Islamic. I mean, a lot of Muslims and Indians wound up going to Jersey City and uh, by the time we had been gone. So I grew up around that. And there was always a little bit of prejudice. You know, the blacks were over there. And we were over here. They were, but it was never in my heart an issue. I never really had an issue. Some of my best friends were black guys. I mean, I got along so well with black people. Black color really didn't matter to me uh, personally, but there was the, the growing up where the intimidation started happening, and um, this, this thing started growing, and this animosity and racism, it's always been here, no doubt about it, but I grew up in places where it really didn't matter to me. And um, lately, with all this stuff going on, and they're flashing Black Lives Matter, uh, Antifa, which is made up of blacks, whites, and different people. But um, in these videos they were showing on television, I'm seeing these young black kids in there. They're busting windows. They're breaking stores. They're stealing. They're robbing. Black men are beating women, sending them to prison. And there's a lot of crime going on in the black community. And what's starting to happen in my soul is I, as I looked at that and I walked in, I said, I don't care if you're an eight-pound gorilla or uh, if you're an eight-foot gorilla, you come towards me, somebody in my family, you're a dead gorilla. That came into my spirit. And I knew that was wrong, but I knew there was something inside me stirring to begin to really get into a position. You know, I've been very kind, very moderate, very passive. One of my dearest friends is a black man, and, I, and that's all there is to it. So I don't have an issue with all black people, but when I see the, the intimidation and the threatening, and I think that somebody in my family or my house is going to be hurt by somebody like that, um, I, I had a response, and I didn't like the response in my heart, but I meant it. It was there. It was growing, and it was a temptation, so I had to take the thought captive. I had to bring it under the obedience of Jesus Christ, and then I remembered what Jesus said. Race will rise against race, ethnos against ethnos, nation against nation. My pastor once said, who was in the CIA a long time ago, and he once said that there would have to be with the Lord a long time ago. He said, the day is coming in this country that there will be a racial bloodbath. A racial bloodbath. You know, I used to sit back and I hear the white guys and I heard some vicious white guys speaking against the blacks, and I, I didn't like it at all. I was not participant. I was actually getting parts on a car fix, and some guy, I mean, talk about white racist. The spirit behind that thing is amazing. And so I've never been there, and I used to think, well, you know, it's not the blacks, it's you white crackers. You know, these thoughts would go through my head. You know, and <clears throat> lately, what's happening, and they're flashing these images, it, I know that the enemy, and I know that Jesus predicted a time was coming for racial war, 
racial bloodbath, that the blood would flow throughout this land between the blacks and the whites. And my confession is I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I don't want to live intimidated in all sincerity. And yet as a Christian, we're supposed to lay our life down for everybody. And I would love to sit down and talk to the young black men that I see breaking into stores and talk to them and find out what happened. Then I started thinking how the left keeps accusing Donald Trump for radicalizing his followers. And I'm watching these black kids breaking and entering who have been completely radicalized. And I'm hating the hypocrisy, right? And I'm struggling with it. And I don't know if I can just break away, go off into a mountain and get things right because I'm really struggling ended and starting to get to take an attitude into me. You come near me. I don't care who you are, how big you are. If I have the means to take you out, you'll be dead. And I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there because that's not who I am. But there's a spirit that's kind of pressing into that reality. And I'm asking for your prayers. I'm asking for your prayers. And I'm not going to become a bigot for years against things that are evil because the Bible says to do it. But this racism thing is also evil. And it's a spirit, and it's everywhere. But I hate more than anything the hypocrisy. Oh, these followers of Donald Trump have been radicalized. I haven't seen brown, yellow, black. I haven't seen a radicalization. I saw people following their president and, and, and supporting the president. But radicalized? No. You know what radicalization is? It's shooting police. It's burning down buildings, setting cars on fire, destroying people's businesses, breaking into stores, smashing windows, robbing and stealing. That's radicalization. And these young black kids and these older black men have been radicalized by the left. And they're being used by the left, the progressive left left. And just like some people talked about years ago that communism, there was a black man by the name, I believe his name was Manning was the last name, and I actually showed this video, and the communist agenda was to stir up the blacks to create havoc, and they're doing it. The communists. And then you want to say, wow, I hate the communists. Am I, am I going to become, you know, racist towards the communists? being challenged in my heart. It's just, it's a heart issue. It's a love issue. And I don't want to go there. What are you supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? You saw my beautiful granddaughter, my beautiful daughter, Danielle, my beautiful wife, Patricia, the people in our fellowship. I care about every single one. And if anything were to happen to them, well, I'm present. I just can't, I don't know what to do. My continuous prayer is, I don't let anything happen to anybody around me. Don't let anything happen to people around me. I don't want them to be touched. I don't want them to be hurt. 
So what do I do? What do I do? I know that there is a passivity. How nice and nice is. And, and when I see behind it is cowardice and fear, and I see that it's an avoidance rather than I love God, therefore I'm going to be this way. I mean, I, I, I understand how people must feel. If they love God, they are avoiding stepping into the snare of the trap of racism, hate, except for what is evil. We hate the actions of what is evil. But this is getting very serious now. Very serious. If you travel, you're going to be in danger. We no longer live in a free society that I can't put on my little hoodie that says, don't shed on me. And you have a scripture verse about shedding the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Do I have to be afraid to wear a Trump hat in the country that I live in? Am I going to be attacked and beat up if I don't conform to the intimidation that the left has stirred up in real radicalization? Okay, well, and I, I, well, before I say that, this reminds me of the movie makers who did the movie with all the monkeys. Remember? I forget what it was. Planet of the Apes? The new Planet of the Apes? Where they had the jungle riot battle, get it on, let's fight, and they gathered all the monkeys together, and there was going to be this vicious battle, and it was a vicious battle. What were the movie makers doing? Oh, there were some nice white guys that were communicating with the black guys or the black monkeys. Who knows how it goes? And so all the black monkeys were just coming like, and they had them so vicious. It's happening. I'm watching it on television that they described the black monkeys as these black young men jumping all over the place, damaging, terrorizing, and they're being told that they have a right to do it. Against who? Against who? Who's doing anything to them? Control, radicalization, stir up the monkeys, Hollywood said. Let them loose on society. Well, that's not cool. Nobody's talking about intimidating black men today. Nobody I know. So, these, these are the struggles. This is what's going on in my heart. And they're impressioning these thoughts and ideas in our credit, trying to get us to take a bait. Believed, I mean, I'm going to be 59 years old here a month. I've always believed I've never had to defend myself once in 59 years. I've never had to literally, physically defend myself. Have I been in a few scuffles? Yes, very few. But I've never had to defend myself. I've had people that have actually wanted to kill me, that have told me they were going to wait for me in my garage with an AK and they were going to shoot me when I came in. God took them away. I've had people that started threatening my life. I showed up with my daughter when she was a little girl, starting to threaten that I went after her. I ran down the street, went after her, took off. He was almost in a car wreck. And a few weeks later, he actually was killed in a car accident. I never had to defend myself. I've been on our earth. It's always been here. But in the last days, it's going to explode. There's no, there's no doubt. 
there's not going to be a racial explosion because it's being stirred by the satanic spirits and these movements of communism, progressive left. Now you have this, this ilk that is in our society, in our government, the Ilman Omar, the Rashida Tlaibs, all these different people that are Islamic and, and all that that's happening that are really racist. You know, I haven't heard a white man have a racist bone in a long time, I, in a really long time. I've heard them, as I said earlier, but I, I hear the racism coming out of the blacks, black women, black congressmen, black senators, blacks. That's where racism tones are. Go down there and beat them up and fire them and go get them and burn them. Come on. That's racism. Who did on January 6th? Not one car was set on fire. No fistfights broke out. No battle. No anything. Those that went up to the Capitol, which they say were, inst- were instigators. You saw that all over the news media. Instigators, stirring people to go do it, police letting everybody. It was a weird thing everybody said. There were a few people out of two million or a million people, a couple of hundred maybe. Or even if there were a thousand people that did that compared to a million, compared to 800,000, it's a small percentage. And they were all different colors. So what's going on here? We hate the hypocrisy. We don't want be racist or become racist against anybody, against anybody. Racism goes back to the Samaritans of Jesus' day. The Samaritans, Jews, had no dealings. So racism has been around forever, and it's how you deal with it. And Jesus is always about getting the heart clean. One of the great miracles was the woman at the well that won the city of the Samaritans, remember? He was a unifier, unifying tones in government, in politics, even in the arts. There are those that like to play around, and man, some of the best times I've ever had has been with black friends and white friends together. Honest to God, it's true. The best of times. One of the greatest moments of my life was with my black brother. We had, a, we had those hilarious things happen. But I don't like what's trying to get into my soul. I feel a poison that's trying to get into my soul. I'm being told as I live in my own country that if I followed President Trump, that I'm a white racist, I'm a white nationalist, and I'm being made an enemy in the country in which I live. I don't understand. And so I'm asking, well, God, what do I do? Do I just shut up, don't say anything, avoid everything? Is that what I'm supposed to do? See, I don't know what you're doing about it. I don't even know if this is an issue for you. I'm confessing my heart in this area. I don't like going somewhere, seeing a black man walk in and having a feeling about it. But it's trying to happen to me. And I don't want it to happen to me. And I don't want to have to go out of my way to talk to the black man to make him feel okay about his blackness. I hate, that's, that's, not, that's not, I want that. If black people are still feeling uncomfortable and because there's a spirit of racism around, what do you do? 
Well, you could take that down to homosexuals and lesbians and transgender people. They're trying to break into our society or break out of theirs into and make it normal. Accept me, they say. Accept my homosexuality. Love me as a homosexual. Love me as a lesbian. Love me as a transgender. Love me. Accept me. Go with my flow. Well, okay, I love you as a person, but what you're doing is damning your soul. I can't go with you. I can't accept you in what you're choosing to become. Now, a black man or a white man, they have no choice in being black or white. It is what it is. And in God's kingdom, it's beautiful. He created all this stuff. But man, it's getting nasty. It's getting nasty. And it's being fostered, foisted, pushed. And I just needed to say today, Lord, first of all, forgive me for even entertaining a thought in my heart that is something contrary to your word. I don't want to feel intimidated living my life. I don't want to be afraid to do and go out and live free. I never have and I never will. But I don't want to go walking around having to protect myself because I'm walking into environments. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to live that way. I remember on a basketball court in San Diego, California, I used to play a lot of basketball. And on this one particular day at an indoor court, a beautiful court in Rancho Bernardo, California, San Diego, suburb of San Diego, Man, we were playing some incredible hoop. We were hooping. And we were having a great time. And I'll never forget this one guy was about six foot eight, thin, athletic black guy. Man, he was six eight, thin, black, had the moves. And there was a guy on the opposing team that was a white guy, probably about six four, six five, Arnold Schwarzenegger, muscle, man, just had that pep and that power. And we're playing basketball, and all of a sudden, these two guys start bumping each other. It gets a little rough. And before you know it, sure enough, there they are, and everybody on the two sides got in a circle, and these guys were ready to throw down. I mean, it it was, they were ready to go. Something came over me. And I walked into the circle, and I remember shouting, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, no. And I kept shouting. If I'm looking at myself, I'm going, what are you doing? Are you crazy? I shout in this circle, no, in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, those guys never threw a punch. Everybody backed away. The name of Jesus was right there in the middle. A few weeks later, I'm playing basketball again. One of those guys walks in. He got born again. He went to some church after that event. Somebody invited him. I don't know what happened. And he accepted Christ into his heart and got born again. The other guy never saw again. See, that's power. It wasn't against the black man, and it wasn't against the white man. That violence was there. And the Spirit of God and the Word of God stopped that thing from happening. 
Yep, I felt like a hero that day. You look at television, and I know I got friends out there who say, "Well, turn the TV off." I have to do what I do. I have to. I have to watch. I have to see. Avoiding things has just never been who I am. I avoid evil. I do not participate. I don't watch things to get a get a fill me up with a thrill. No, our whole ministry here is, um, you know, looking at world events through the biblical lens and giving interpretation of what's happening. And I see through the biblical lens of this moment with racism, Jesus said in the last days, it'll be race against race. Please pray for me. If something like that were to happen to my daughter, what that man did to those two women in New York for whatever the reason was, sent my daughter to a hospital because he's an angry black man. Somebody ever tried to hurt my little granddaughter or my wife or people in our fellowship. I don't know what I would do. I want to believe that I'm okay. And my deepest faith is for God's protection over everything. But I'm not Jesus Christ. I'm being conformed into his image, and I'm becoming more and more like him, and I'm praying to God that the acceleration of that transformation will take place quickly so that when I get into a situation, I will be able to respond to it the way he would. None of his disciples got hurt by them when he was alive. People around him, they were under a protection. I want that. I want to stay there. The enemy could be quite provocative. And I think he's trying to provoke people right now because I think if you're living in this country and you're trying to put fear in the white man as a retribution for white man's slavery or whatever your issues are about that, I never saw it in my lifetime. All I've seen is the promotion of blacks and the arts and television and sports and you name it. I mean, people have gone to college or doctors, lawyers, presidents. Come on. So I don't even see that. But you're trying to stoke fear in white people, whatever white really is. And all it could do is serve the purpose of Satan in bringing a conflict, like the Civil War. The Civil War had to do a little bit with this stuff. But well, that's it for me. I, you know, I've said my my word. I'm asking for prayer. And um, what's what's Pastor Jeff Bass saying here? Nine fifty four. Nine fifty four. Nine fifty four. Nine fifty four. Hey, Pastor Jeff, you have something to share? Please do so. Um, so those are my thoughts. I'd like to hear from you today. Um, If you have some questions or comments or things you'd like to share about the broadcast this morning, um, I'm sorry to break it out there. I've got a couple of people I'm looking at my blog talk. Wow, I've got a lot of folks that want to call into the broadcast, so I'm going to start taking the calls as they come. And I'm going to begin with area code 571 at the top of the list here. So let's get into some conversation. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. 
Hey, it's Pastor Jeff. Good morning, Pastor Vincent. Pastor Jeff, man, talk to me, brother. Hey, well, I accidentally leaned on my computer. That's why you kept seeing Jeff Bass, Jeff Bass on the uh, on the comments. Sorry, sorry about that. But um, hey, man, I, I'm 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 praying for you, man. You know, you you're my brother, and uh, man, I love you, man, and and I feel your heart. First of all, I just thank God for your for your openness and um, your transparency, and um, just a lot to unpack, Pastor. I mean. Um, I hear what you're saying, you know, as it relates to, you know, you, 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 you know, you just can't stop, you know, watching TV or doing different stuff like that. Myself, I, I you know, hold I, on, Pastor I, I Jeff, have a hold, on, hold on. I've got to get you on your audio here for some reason. You're not going through. All right. Give it a, give it a, a speak. Go ahead, please. And can you hear me? Can you I hear keep me now? Talking, Pastor Jeff. No, let's go. Okay. All right. Well, there you hey, are. Okay. Well, I got good you. morning. I got you. Okay, you got me now? Yes. Yeah, I, again, I just start over again. I just said basically good morning, and uh, Pastor uh, Vincent and my brother, I've I, I heard what you said. I feel your heart, and I just thank God for your openness and your obedience to to to, to just be transparent. That's just, I believe, one of the traits that God has given me as, you know, being a pastor for, for over 25 years. My congregation knows that. I'm transparent, man. When I when it's something wrong, I don't keep it to myself. I share it with 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 the congregation for them to pray with me and for me, and I just just as I pray for them. And so, therefore, this morning I I heard your heart. I feel your heart. Um, but is it, there's just a lot there's a lot to unpack. I think that we in the body of Christ we need to have conversations and we need to be to be open and honest and. I think you answered it. You, you know, God gave you the answer. It's Jesus, man. I mean, um, we all know, you know, that we're 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 triune being, you know, body, soul, and spirit. And the body, when we talk about the body, we talk about our flesh. And the Bible tells us there's no good thing in our flesh, and it's our flesh that wants to rise up. It's our flesh that sees the things that have happened, and. I, I, I continue to say it to everyone, and, and I think you kind of touched on it but before you went to the phones. It's, it's, this is not a black or white thing. This is not a Republican or Democrat thing. This is not a male or female. This is a, this is a good versus evil. This, this, this is satanic. And where Satan and those who are following him wants to pit the Christians not, you know, against one another. And you know, I have to stand on Second Corinthians five seven seventeen. Well, you know, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, old things pass away; all things have become new. And you know, again, like I said, even though we we are new creation in Christ, our flesh wants to rise up. I often go to go to Romans, I believe it's chapter seven, where Paul, as you know, had that battle with his flesh. You know, when, when he wanted to do good. But evil was always present. So we have to just kind of remind ourselves. We have to have brothers and others and sisters to remind us not to focus on what we see. And what I was going to say, but, you know, uh, before, you know, when the audio was out, I was going to share that I don't even watch, I don't even watch local TV, local or national news. I used to watch Fox News a lot, you know, back before the election. I used to watch my local news, 
And I know that they are so complicit and that they're so corrupt and that they have such an agenda to pit what's going on. Because as we know, they, you know, when I say they, the those who, who want to do this, you know, uh, the globalists and whomever, they want the racial war. They want other things because it it's, it's part of their plan to bring in the new world order. So, you know, I have to remind myself I can't fall into that. You know, I can't believe when I see a white person does something. You know, when I see Derek Chauvin uh, 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 with, with, with the knee on, on George Floyd, I can't stereotype and say that all white people are like that. Or, you know, just like what you were saying when you see – you know, black people beating uh, a white person or doing stuff like that. The news, they're going to show, they're going to continue to show that because they want to stir up and, and, and inflame emotion. Is it right that a black person would do that? No. Is it right that a white person would do something like that? No. But we have to stay focused on what they're trying to do, the media and those who want to per, uh, uh, perpetrate this, so we have to continue to pray that it, I'm speaking for me. Like I said, I'm not trying to, I can't tell you or anyone else what to do, but I have to focus and go back. I'll give you a short story. Years ago, because, you know, you say you, you'll soon be 59. I'll be 55 next month. And I grew up in, in, in Alabama, down south, uh, near Montgomery, and it's in a city called Troy. And um, a lot of racial tensions. And everything like that, and 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 I wasn't the first class, but I was probably the second or third class to be integrated, you know, from the black school to the you know to the white school and and integration. And I was the first drummer, black drummer in the in the in the high school band at the white school. And uh, you know, I, I was a poor kid, walked 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 to the band practice and everything, only drummer, and Basically, each section after the band practice in the summer, each section would get, you know, to a, get to the side and would would practice. So the drummers would would, uh, would practice, and I remember that we had a young uh, a young college kid who who was a student teaching us, and basically. Um, you know, when, when when we would be practicing and how they would say, okay, one, two, three, let's get started or stuff like that, and he, and he would use terminology. Long story short, those guys were using code uh, uh, basically against me. In other words, before the school was integrated, they used to play drum beats that the black schools would play that was kind of what we used to say back then, up-tempo, a funky beat. And they called them the N word kick because the drum drummers drummers are the ones that count the beat and it goes tick 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 and then you start playing. So they used to call it before I got there the N word ticks. So when I got there, they flipped the script and, and instead of saying well I just said instead instead of saying N word ticks, they said Tigger Nicks. And it I mean it just went over my head. here I am. Uh, in the ninth grade, I'm not even thinking about that. And, 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 and God revealed it to me 25 or 30 years after I graduated. Now, I could have said, you know, and I'm saved now, 
later. I could have went back and uh, I knew a couple of those kids back then and, and, and whatever, but God reminded me that scripture, Second Corinthians five seventeen. He says, Jeff, you're you're a new creation in Christ. All that's passed away. Was that racist? Yes. Was it wrong? Yes. But I brought you out of that. You know, forgive them. Hey, 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 man, that's gone. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. You know, so that's how I try to live it, man. I mean, that doesn't mean that you see stuff and it doesn't hurt me or it doesn't hurt you and stuff and everything like that. The bigger picture is to pray against what the enemy is trying to do in this world and in our lives and in these situations and everything. You know, I, I, I have conversations with my black friends. Does Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton speak for me? No. I mean, I'm sure maybe white people say whomever does uh, 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 Schumer or Pelosi speak for them. No. No. <laughs> so that's how I see it. As Christians, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We, you know, uh, I agree when these things come up, the, the transparency, as you said, but I think we have to pray and pray one for another, that, that we keep our eyes on the prize, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and that we pray that the agenda that the enemy has is destroyed and pulled down and that God would reign and that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Amen. As you're talking, I, you know, I wanted to know when your birthday is, number one. Um, but I also, you're the 10th, I'm January 5th. We, you and I should get together, go to a seaside resort and have a big conference. That's what we should do. Um, Amen. So I love you, Pastor Jeff, very much with all my heart. Amen. I, I mean, you've been such a dear friend. Um, I thought when the movie came out, Remember the Titans, I thought that would have put an end to all this stuff. I love that movie, Remember the Titans. I mean, come on, Denzel Washington, what a great movie dealing with these issues. Um, you, do, you do know, I, I just want to interject, you do know that movie was, that's not far from where I live here. That movie took was about a school here, for those outside of this area, in Alexandria, Virginia. Yeah. Williams. yeah. And, and now, with all of the craziness that's going on, that school since over the last year has changed the name. That, that, that school is still there. But with all of the politically correct stuff, they say that name was racist and everything. They've changed the name of that school. They wanted to defund the police. They took the police out over the last year and had took the police out of the school uh, uh, system there. Violence up, uptick so much, they've since now had to re, recant their thought and bring cops back into, you know, like, you know, uh, how they have police uh, – uh, patrolling the school system there. But, again, the prayers of the people, you know, who wanted to defund that, they had to re- it had to be reversed. But, yeah, that, 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 that was a true story. Remember the Titans, the, the uh, African-American uh, coach, uh, Coach Boone, was a real person. I didn't meet him, but I, but I did uh, over the years here have met a couple of real guys who were on that football team, and I sat wow. and talked, talked. To, to those guys, and they said that that was uh, a true story, and that was a great movie, by the way. It was with Denzel. I loved it. I loved it. I've watched it so many times. I think I'm going to watch it again tonight or over the weekend. Who knows? 
Um, I live in a state, and I've got some other callers calling in. I want to give them opportunity, but I just sure. I, I, I moved to a place. You know, I grew up in Jersey City, New Jersey. I spent a lot of time in California, and uh, been to a few other places, North Carolina, Nebraska. You know that kind of thing. But I've been in 12 years. I moved to a state called Arkansas. Uh, didn't not not knowing much about its roots, but this was like the home of the Ku Klux Klan, and this is kind of a new culture for me, new territory. The KKK was here. Um, there are all these issues, which now is dispersed, but the remaining fragments of of, of racism, you could kind of feel it around and about, and it's just because it's a reality, isn't it? I mean, this thing is real, but I think in this area. There's been such a rooting out of that idea, that spirit, but it lingers. It's still here. It's kind of a weird, weird deal, but thank God we're in a place where multicultural, very nice. I thank God for it. But uh, what a strange thing this is, isn't it? Well, yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Like I said, I grew up there, I mean, not far from Montgomery, Alabama. I mean, I grew up where, uh, as a young kid, um, you know, my, my, my great-grandfather um, reared me, and he he worked at a barbershop, and i never forget. I, uh, we lived about five miles or less from the, from where he worked, and I would walk to at, at, at night to the barbershop and walk back and walk back home with him. And I remember going there one night in the barbershop. The barbershop was closed because he was more like the janitor and the handyman there, and he would clean up the barbershop. And I remember walking in, and I was probably like nine years old or whatever, and no one's there now, but we still they still had the signs that said said white and colored, and I was gonna go to the to the bathroom, and I was walking into one. I'm I'm not paying any attention. I'm a nine year old kid. I need to need to, need to use the bathroom, yeah. and I'm walking into one that said white. And he 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 told me, no, you can't go in there. And everything and, and and so forth and and explained and you know we walk home at at night and I remember um, situations where we'd have to cut off the lights at night because uh, there would be word that there would be you know that the Ku Klux Klan would be coming through or there would be cross burnings and everything and so I grew up down in that situation down in 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 that area Alabama you know where George Wallace stood in the in the doorway of, of the University of Alabama. And uh, I made a statement, you know, segregation now, segregation forever. And, and, you know, Little Rock, Arkansas, where they had, you know, uh, I think it was the Little Rock Five or whatever. But, but, but there's just a lot of stuff. I, I, I grew up in that. And in my flesh, all of that could still be in, but in me. But as I said, you know, it's just something when, when Christ comes in our lives, you know, you, you know you're a new creation. And, and I'm not saying that that didn't happen. I'm not saying that was wrong. I'm not saying, but, you know, Jesus said he is without sin. Let him cast the first stone. So if I'm going to live this life, this new life in Christ, I've got to trust that Jesus Christ is greater than all of that. Jesus Christ is greater than the Ku Klux Klan. Jesus Christ is greater than the Black Panthers. Jesus Christ is greater than all of this. And we say these things, black, white, Asian, whatever, but do we really mean it? Do we really live it? Are we willing to trust God, trust Jesus Christ? And I'm trying to do it, and I believe we all have to stand together and look. It's, it's you know, uh, 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 it's 
I heard I think it was Benjamin Watson, the football player, say it's not a it, it's not a race thing; it's a grace thing. And you know, the grace of thank God, but for the but by the grace of God, there go I. It could be me. So we have to not just make a cliche out of it, but we when, when it rears its ugly head, we have to we have to cast it down, as you said, cast down every every thought and imagination that exalts itself against the you know the knowledge of, uh, of God, and so and we have to remind each other and say just like what you said. I leave it with this because I know others have to get on. One of the pro- profound things you said was when you gave that story about the basketball players and what you said in the name of Jesus, and or, or you even said that or the blood of Jesus, whatever. But it's power in the name of Jesus. We all know that. I'm, I'm not just preaching to the choir. We have to actually execute this. We have to actually do it and watch God do what only he can do. Like I said before, this this thing, I, I truly believe, you know, like I said, this is something, a conversation we could have one day. It's so many moving pieces with this thing, not only the racism piece, but the fear. God wants us to have a, I mean, not God, but the enemy wants us to have a spirit of fear. And we we. We know from Timothy that's not of God. It's of it's of the devil. It's of Satan. God has not given us that spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We got to walk in it, man. We've got to we got to stand on it. So I'm praying for you, my brother. I love you. Uh, you know, we'll we'll continue to talk off the air and whatever. But just know I'm here, man, and I'm praying for you and with you, man. And and Thank you. do know as Christians, we win. <laughs> we oh, amen. Win. Amen. We totally plan on it. God bless you, Pastor Jeff Bass. We appreciate your call coming in this morning. A beautiful brother. Let's take our next call coming in from area code 916. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Ah, Good morning, Pastor Vincent. Good morning, sir. How are you today? I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. My knee seems to be healing up a couple more days of Rest and prayer. I think I'll be back to normal, whatever normal might be. Yeah. <laughs> so I had a comment for you. First of all, I wanted to thank you for your transparency and your honesty regarding the issues of racism and fear. Um, I, I can assure you, my dear brother, that you are not alone in having slightly conflicting thoughts or conflicting feelings, however you want to word it. Uh, I know that you're not alone in that. Now, you know, I want to comment on something that Pastor Jeff said a few minutes ago. Uh, Absolutely, Satan works through the television to continue to fuel the racist attitudes that we have in the United States of America. There's no doubt in my mind that if the media, television, the internet would back off of their continual presentation of conflict between blacks and whites, then the Lord would have a little bit more room or the, the, the devil would have a little bit less free play in the minds of mankind to continue to bring about racial conflict. There's no doubt in my mind about that. And it is true that Satan loves to play the racism card. He really does. I mean, Satan's purpose is to prowl about looking for ways to kill, to steal, and destroy. 
So, uh, you know something, Pastor, uh, when I shared my testimony the other day, I, I really wish looking back on that, that I had shared more examples of how the Lord God, through his son Jesus, has healed me of various illnesses in my life. And one of those illnesses that the Lord has healed me of has been racism. Um, and what's really interesting, Pastor, is that, and, and, and again, I wish I had shared this in my testimony, is that God healed me of so many different things before I knew God. He, the Lord God, was working in the background long before I ever cultivated a relationship with him and long before I ever accepted that he was God. But he was still working, whether or not I knew it. And one of the things that he was working on in me was to get rid of my racist inclinations. I used to hate black people. I used to be very vocal about that. I used to, be, I used to use obscene language in talking about black people. I used to use violent language. I, I never marched in the streets. I was never part of the KKK or any type of white supremacist movement. But inwardly, I harbored a deep hatred. And where this hatred came from, it was taught to me by my own father, my own dad. When I was growing up in my dad's home, my father used to tell me repeatedly, almost every opportunity he got, that, you know, you got to, be afraid of the black man because the black man will hurt you. I was taught that from a very early age repetitively, and it did sink in. And it wasn't until I was age 55 or so that the Lord moved in my heart to get rid of that fear. It was an amazing work. Uh, no, uh, just briefly, the way it happened is that my wife was in school she was taking a sociology class, and the Lord directed me to be curious as to what sociology is. I had no idea what sociology was, and I had heard the word. So I picked up her book, her sociology textbook, and I started reading it. And in those words of that book, the Lord healed me of racism. Now, that being said, I do understand that not everybody that I encounter on the street has been healed of racism. So I do still have a wise caution about me. I love everyone that I meet. There's hardly ever a time when I don't love someone that I encounter on the street. And thank you, Lord God, for putting that love in my heart. But I'm still cautious at times. And as you expressed this morning, if someone, anyone, black, white, yellow, red, made an aggressive move toward me or my wife or any one of my brethren here at New Wine Ministries, I wouldn't just stand by and fail to act. I would act in defense, which it does introduce, Pastor, a bit of a uh, catch-22 Jesus told us in Matthew 5, 9. I'm going to look at it real quick here, brother. Hang on just a second. Yeah, resist Jesus not evil. In, mm -hmm. 
he, he said in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And Jesus also did speak about turning the other cheek if someone were to smite you on one cheek. Well, that's, that's great. But if someone's going to make a move to smite my wife, wow, that's a whole other can of worms. It's a whole other game. And so, again, I just want to say that you are not alone in the thoughts that you have about defending your family and your brethren. So that, you know, that's a little bit of a, uh, it's a little bit of a two-sided coin, perhaps that needs more resolution. But anyway, I just Amen. want to thank you again for your transparency and your honesty, because you talked about some stuff this morning that I think resides in the hearts of all men, uh, all believers. And that's my story, sir, and I'm sticking to it. It's a good story, Mark. God bless you, my friend. Thank you for calling, sharing your thoughts. Always well spoken. I appreciate you. All right. Thank you, Pastor. God bless yeah, you. Yeah, you are welcome. Thank you. Very, very good. Let's uh, let's move along here. It's got a few more calls coming in. We have a call coming in from area code 479366. Let's get to that call right now. Say good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. If you have a question or comment, you're on the air. Yes, good morning. Um, Pastor, just want to encourage you with a few things. Um, in the beginning of the program, if I heard correctly, you had mentioned that, um, you know, what do, what do I do? Do I not speak? Um, and Ephesians 5.1 says we're to be imitators of God. And Jesus, when he walked the earth, he spoke. And are we not to do the same as he did? And um, light and salt have purpose. Um, and also you were encouraging New Wine Ministry behind the pulpit this past weekend with, um, I believe it was a prayer that it was, and as we're learning the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, that part of the prayer was burn within us. Burn within us the the fruit the fruits that um of the holy spirit you know the fruit of of patience the fruit of love the and um so i i just want to encourage you and encourage what you're doing unto the lord and you keep keeping on you mm-hmm. keep keeping on, and is it not all by and through the power of the Holy Spirit? Is it not by and through the anointing of the Holy Spirit? There is such power in the Holy Spirit, I'm learning. And mm-hmm. so uh, your heart be greatly encouraged. You know what you're That's talking <laughs> Well, while you're talking, there's a song coming into my mind. You remember this song, Carla? Don't let my love grow cold. I'm calling out. Light the fire again. Uh, No, I don't know that song. (laughs) You don't know that song? Don't let 
our love grow cold. In the last days, the love of many will wax cold. Thank you for the encouraging oh, word. Okay, you're welcome. God bless you. <laughs> okay, I God bless you, you too. Love you, Pastor. And she's got Bye. conviction in her when she speaks. God bless your heart. All right, let's go on. We've got another call coming in. Area code 314. Oops, did I get the right one? Hold on one second here. Hold on a second. 314. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Hey. You know, I heard you talking about the attack that's being waged on white people. Well, that is true. It has. It's been going on for quite some time. When they started hearing whites being labeled as racist, it would stop them dead in their tracks, and they would retreat. That attack does go on. And, you know, racism, hatred, prejudice is not against the law until you violate somebody's civil rights. And people are allowed to have those feelings. And I don't think that people should try to take them away from them. They'd either grow out of them or they would die with them. And I see these attacks on the fabric of the United States. And a lot do lie in the media. When you read reports of crimes that's committed, this is a white doing a crime against a black, the news media use the adjective, white man kills black man. But if it's the other way around, that adjective of black is not used. One would have to search very hard to find the ethnicity of Mr. Brooks, the man who drove his car intentionally through the Thanksgiving Day parade, weaving back and forth trying to run over whites. So these things do exist. There's a lady by the name of Fannie Lou Hamer speaking through a black crowd. She said, you can stay on your knees and pray till you faint. But until you get up and start doing something, these problems are not going to go away. And here's another point. Why is it that when we talk about racism, it's only associated with white skin color? Racism is the act. It has nothing to do with skin color. I hear Africans that's in the country, African immigrants, are labeled black. That's offensive to them. They don't label themselves as black on the continent. And then you got this story about whites going into Africa and stealing slaves and stealing people. That's just not true. But we allowed it to exist. Then you got this thing about reparations. You know how many white males, boys and men, gave their life to defeat the Confederacy? Over 300,000. You have over 300,000 families left with mothers and children, and nobody detends for them. Are they not due reparations? And I appreciate you mentioning civil, the uh, Pearl Harbor because many outlets don't do that today. I think that was the greatest society of the United States. We didn't pray that the Japanese Imperial Army would leave us alone. We rose up and we done what we had to do. Hmm. I'm an African-American. I'm black. I'm native woman. I love the United States. 
and I will defend the U.S. Constitution from whoever. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. That was awesome. All right. God bless your heart. Um, you got to love it. You know, when military guys get around, you just got to love it. I don't know what it is, but there's a man that is just speaking from his heart the truth. I so deeply appreciate that. God bless him. I'm going to go to area code 605 695. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Uh, we live in South Dakota. It turns out that uh, right now what's happening, we heard in Canada, is, is that there's going to be restrictions now between the U.S. and Canada, and there will be no travel between the two unless you can show that you've had the shots. I want to say good. I don't want to go to Canada anyways, but we have some very dear friends in Canada. That's really tragic. Okay, go ahead. Uh, hang on just a minute. Oh, Vincent, Ed, this is going to work both ways. Uh, Canadians will not bring in any of the food and because they don't have the vaccination. And our truckers, if you don't have the vaccination, you're not going into Canada. So it's going to cause a big shortage of food. Yeah. Well, there it is, another sign of the times, right? So while we're dealing yep. with this issue today, we have all these other very real issues that are going on that are going to affect all people of yes. every color, of every race. And, yes. um, okay, well, yeah, I'm hearing things like New York wants to get uh, mandatory vaccinations, you know, all the talk. is. And, you know, I was thinking about this um, how maybe people are sitting back saying it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. There's our constitution. We have too many roadblocks. It's never going to happen. Never going to happen. Well, in, in all sincerity, the LGBTQ community uh, was thought of to never ever make their advancement into the public arena. And it was, there were too many obstacles. There was too much resistance, too much opposition to their coming out of the closet, so to speak. And today we live in a world where the LGBTQ community is operating in every fabric of our society, legal, men marry men, women marry, and it happened. And the, the, the evil agenda in these final days are, that's being pushed, all things are bottlenecking and throttling right now into reality. And I believe that with all my heart. And uh, what else do we have? Praise God. Well, basically, we're traveling north, and we are, we've had like, seven inches of snow here in this north area. We're going toward the Fargo area to see some people, but let me tell you, winter set in, and boy, the southern parts of the United States is looking good already. But I don't know where it's going to take. It's just feeling. Nope, we got to really pray because I'll tell you what, the president's meeting today now with the Russian president about the Ukraine, and then Taiwan, too, is the Chinese are watching that. So we're, yeah. we're, we're in very serious times. And, you know, in God's eyes, the color of our skin makes no difference. Amen. I believe that. I mean, my God, he's got rainbow colors around the throne. He loves color. Are you kidding me? I get that, and I know that's true. So it's got to be spirit, no doubt about it. So, Kathy, you were talking? Okay. 
So you're talking about the, um, you know, war. We have wars and rumors of wars right now that are uh, looking pretty clear. Last night before going to bed, I just kind of was just throwing my Bible open. I did fall upon uh, Proclaim Ye This out of Joel chapter 3 among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares, uh, your, plowsha- your plowshares into swords, and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, "I am strong." Assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen. Gather yourselves together round about. Thither cause thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord. Let the heathen be awakened. Come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there will I sit to judge the heathen round about. Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down, for the press is full, the vats overflow. For their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. So prepare war. It's coming. It's happening fast. It is a biblical reality. It's in the book of Revelation. It's all throughout the scriptures. And it is what I consider the third wave. It's taken a little while to get here, but it is coming. That wave is growing all over the world. Amen. Excellent word of the Lord, and uh, I believe, too, that uh, as the book of Psalms says in 91, only with our eyes are we going to see the, behold and see the reward of the wicked. And so this, that's why the divine protection, while it's all going on, will be on God's overcomers. Amen. We really appreciate it, Pastor Vincent, your ministry. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. You guys are awesome. Ken and Kathy, all the way from going towards Fargo, Minnesota. So many dear friends out there. I want to close out the broadcast. You see all the calls that come through. Close out the broadcast today, and I want to just say this to my uh, friends out there. White, black, brown, Mexican, red, yellow. Hey, who's this? Who's this? I want to ask you a question, Athena Grace. And you see everybody out there? Okay. Do you want everybody to be at peace? Okay. So this generation, yes, this, (laughs) what? You want everybody to be kind to each other? Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't matter anything else. Let's teach them the, the right thing, man. Come on. The human race, it's been infected with sin, right? But Jesus, can you say, but Jesus? Jesus will bring the solution because he's the great physician to racism, right? Right. Right. All right. So with that being said, we're going to say goodbye. Say goodbye. Bye. Have a great day. Have a we love you. We love you. And we'll see you another time. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs> Have a great day, folks. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for your prayers. Shalom. Step into the world of power. Loyalty 
and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.